As you have a seat, would you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you that you invite us into your creation in awe and in wonder. And as we step out into the beauty and the amazement of the world around us, we're reminded that we are not the gods of our own lives. That you are God alone and that you have made this world that we live in and you've invited us to experience the joy and the blessing of this life that you've given us. And so as we come to you in worship today, we lay down our crowns at the feet of Jesus, who is the only king and wise God, the one who gave his life and took it back again so that we could experience the newness of life that comes only from him. Speak to us through your living word this morning, through the word of your son, through the word of your spirit, and remind us of who we are in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're excited to have our kids with us. Unfortunately, we don't have enough servers in the middle of summer today for us to have kids worship, so we're going to invite you to stay with us if you would like. We also have two different family opportunities. There's the Rockaby room over this way uh, where we live stream the service, and there's some toys in there for kids to play with, and they can move around a little bit. We also have the family room, which is in Snelling Hall across the lobby. That way where the service is being live streamed, so if you feel like you need to get up, Go over there during the service and move around. You won't miss one, uh, well, a few words of the message, but not too many. Uh, and I promise the message probably won't be more than 55 or 60 minutes today. Um, no, I'm kidding. We, we do not mind having the kids with us. Our desire here at Faith Covenant Church is to learn what it means to be a truly intergenerational church. And so we want to practice living into that. And this is one of the ways that we can do that is by worshiping together. We are in our series called Rooted in Wonder, where we're exploring the idea uh, that Erin uh, Linham introduces us to in her book by that title of how we can nurture our family in faith through exposing them to experiences of awe and wonder through God's creation. And, and last week, we introduced this uh, follow-on series for our Summer of Wonder, where we talked about how our starting point for cultivating experiences of awe and wonder for our kids, but also for ourselves, and, and really for kids of all ages, is to recognize that the Bible tells us that there are two primary ways that God reveals Himself to us. God reveals Himself to us in, in, in what scholars call a special revelation, and in a, in a general revelation or in a natural revelation. Special revelation, we said, refers to what can only be learned about God through the words of the Bible, through the word that he has revealed, through the relationship of the people whom he has called to be with him through the centuries, who have captured the conversation that they've had with God and preserved it for us so that we now have that word to rely on for our own faith today. And then general or natural revelation refers to everything that we can learn about God from his world through our natural life experiences and things that are available for anyone to experience or to know. Because as the Apostle Paul says at the beginning of Romans, God's eternal power and his divine nature are clearly on display being understood through what has been made. 
And we talked about how what we discover is that God has actually designed these two forms of revelation to work hand in hand. They're designed to go together. In many ways, we need the one in order to more fully understand the meaning of the other. And so our starting point is always God's word in scripture. And yet in the Bible, we see that God himself has continued to draw upon the natural revelation of his creation to help us better understand understand the meaning of his special revelation in his word. And it's in this dynamic between understanding the the natural revelation in his creation and, and the special revelation in his word as we connect the dots between the two that God has given us a unique and special model for how we can use these words to teach our own children about faith and relationship with God as well. We learn from the Bible that God has designed his world in such a way that it helps to draw us to understand that he is a God of glory and that we can know him more as we dig deeper into his word and as we get out more into his world. By teaching our children to develop a kind of holy curiosity about his word and his world, we can help them to develop a more resilient faith that can last through a lifetime because it's grounded in real life experiences that have come alive through the experience of understanding God's intended word to them by experiencing God's word in their life through his world. To some extent, then, we said, we wrapped it up by saying it really all depends on the conversations that come from these lived experiences that we have together. For example, one of the important things that we learn before we go too long of looking into God's world is that as we observe in the words of the Bible, as we also see in nature, is that life sometimes is scary and difficult. You might be looking to have a peaceful night's sleep in a tent and hear some screeching owl in the trees that scares you half to death and keeps you up all night. (laughs) It doesn't always go the way we want it to go. In fact, sometimes things happen in life that are completely beyond our ability to manage and control, no matter how well we plan and no matter how well we try to protect ourselves from disaster, sometimes things happen that we don't want, and yet we cannot prevent. In nature, we observe things like earthquakes and floods and lightning storms and forest fires and hurricanes and tornadoes and tsunamis, and we want to take our kids out into that? (laughs) But the reality is that these kinds of natural disasters happen, and what do we tell our kids when they do? Because these times can be incredibly scary. They can be incredibly devastating to our human civilizations and and even to human life. I don't know how many of you here today have ever experienced a severe weather event or a natural disaster. Anyone? Yeah, right? I mean, we've all probably been close to something. When we lived in Chicago, I was a teenager, and uh, Chicago was pretty famous for some pretty big lightning and thunderstorms, right? And one night, it was the middle of the night, and it was just huge thunder and lightning storm and it was like you know and the lightning was so bright it just filled the house with light and so the whole family was up in the middle of the night we're looking out the windows the thunder was so loud it felt like it was shaking the house to the very foundations and all of that was scary enough until it got really scary and everything got really calm 
And the sky turned this kind of like sickly green color. And as we're listening to the radio, the tornado warning came. And they said, get in the basement because we don't know what's going to happen. So we all got our essentials. We went down in the basement and we spent the rest of the night not sleeping, right? Down in the basement. And what do you think we talked about? We talked about the power of God and the, and the goodness of God. And how do we connect the dots between the power of God who could create thunder and lightning and tornadoes and the goodness of God who yet loves us and protects us and has us in his hands and, and that no matter what happens in life, we can trust that God is going to bring the best out of life circumstances for us. We prayed for God's favor and protection in the middle of the storm that we faced together and our faith as a family increased and our parents had an opportunity to to mentor us through the storms of life and to use it as a learning moment for us as kids. Nature tells us, doesn't it, if we're really honest, that life isn't easy, life is scary, and life can be threatening. It doesn't always go the way we want it to go. Sometimes things will happen that are completely beyond our control. And yet we can also be reminded by the amazing beauty of God's world and the intended nature of life that he has for us by the word that he's given us in scripture that the very power that God has to create the earth and the sky that we see and the wind and the rain that we enjoy and the mountain and the seas also has the power to keep us in his care and to ensure that our lives can be kept in his hands no matter what experiences we may have in life. That there's a God who created all these things and therefore there's a God who is greater than all these things. And he's the God in whom we can put our faith and our trust and we can entrust our lives into his hands. Now again, it doesn't mean that that God will make sure that life is always easy and that we'll never have any difficulties and that we won't suffer any disappointments or that we'll never experience any storms in life or that we won't even be we will avoid total disasters sometimes. But it does mean that we can put our trust in him and that when we live our life with God and we live our life through God, we have the ability to weather every storm and to recover from any disaster. I think it's kind of interesting in our modern day and increasingly secular society that the insurance industry still calls these experiences of natural disasters acts of God. (laughs) Isn't it, right? The Hartford Insurance Company says, disastrous events can happen when you least expect them. When they're outside of human control, they're described as an act of God. The phrase act of God refers to an accident or other natural event caused without human intervention that could not have been prevented by reasonable foresight or care. (laughs) Can I suggest for us today that what we also find in the Bible is that this concept of an act of God is the very central biblical understanding of who God is in relationship to this world that he's created? Repeatedly, aren't we told throughout Scripture that these great works of God or these acts of God or these wonderful deeds of God are performed on behalf of His people and on behalf of humanity and in furthering His own purposes in history are the things that could not have been enacted by humanity or prevented by humanity by any reasonable human foresight or care? (laughs) 
Right? You can go all the way back to the story of the exodus from Egypt. The Bible celebrates the saving act of God as God working wonders on behalf of his people. Exodus 15 verse 11 says, Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? Or our VBS verse for this summer, that if you were able to be with us out in the park with Psalm 40, verse 5a, many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. And in the second half of the verse, it goes on to say, no one can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Or Psalm 145, verses 3 and 4. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They would tell of your mighty acts. And Psalm 107, 21 says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. See, these wonderful deeds, these acts of of God that could not have been imagined or enacted or predicted by humanity, by any reasonable human foresight or care, are the very fundamental subject matter that the Bible talks about over and over and over again in order for us to consider who this God is that we claim to worship. That this God who acts apart from any human desire or control is the one in whom we are invited to put our faith and trust. That he is the God who repeatedly and with power works in the past on behalf of his people. Therefore, he is the one who we can entrust our lives to, to continue to act on our behalf in power for the future. And so in this way, as we hold the Word of God in the Bible in one hand and the Word of God in nature in the other, we're encouraged to put our faith and our trust in the God who has demonstrated His ability to overcome our fears, to rescue His people from harm, and to ensure the fulfillment of His purposes. And so when our children walk through life's uncertain circumstances, and they too experience life's disappointments, because it's not if, right? When they experience life's disappointments, we can begin to help them learn to begin to put their hope in a God who is the calmer of storms, who is the rescuer of lost sheep, and who is the bringer of new life. Not only is God completely in control of every circumstances, but he's actively working in and through all things, even the disasters of life, to bring good and glory to his people in his world. And so as we walk with our children and and even as we walk with one another as adults in the church through the storms and the disasters of life, we're invited to discover and to live out together the truth that the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans 8.28 where he says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Again, Erin Linham in her book tells the story of her family going through the experience of a, of a major forest fire in the area of Colorado where they live. Have you ever experienced a forest fire? They can be pretty scary. We just had one here a couple years ago, right? Up on the hill in Bonnie Lake. In fact, several of people in our church were evacuated 
Those can be scary times. Well, the fire that Lenham and her family experienced, she says, burned for over a month. Ultimately, it claimed almost 209,000 acres. And while she describes the sense of horror, fear, and tragedy that her kids experienced as they watched this fire devastate the forested area where they lived, she also recognized how important and necessary forest fires are for the health of the forest. And she says, throughout Earth's history, wildfire has been an ecological necessity for restoring landscapes. But if you have ever experienced a wildfire, you know how threatening it feels. It's difficult to believe something so extreme can at the same time be so necessary to new life. We know, right, scientifically, that new growth comes often slowly in the wake of a forest fire. In fact, without the heat of the fire, some, some seeds won't actually ever be released into the ground. But when they are, and when, when the fire comes through and clears the ground for new, new growth, uh, lush carpets of native grasses come back, and wildflowers are, are produced, and ultimately it, it paves the way for more trees to grow in the future. Part of the challenge is that we don't always see that full cycle in the, the, the life cycle or the lifespan of one human life, right? God's timing isn't always our timing. When, when, when God has a plan and a purpose for history, we, we can get very myopic in, in our time frame and what we hope to see in the few days or weeks or months that, that we're hoping God's going to act or do something for us and we can miss the, the fact that God has a, a longer term plan for, for our growth and our good and our gain that, that might be from generation to generation even. And then Linham goes on to describe how she was able to help her kids connect the dots back to God's word in the Bible to gain a deeper understanding of how the, the, the restoring effects of even a forest fire like they experience can be a reflection of how the very difficulties and the suffering in our own lives can have a similarly positive effect if we allow God to use them to bring something good out of the difficulty and the hard things that we go through. Right? That was the Apostle Paul's perspective in Romans 5, beginning in verse 3. He says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us. Hardships, Lenham says, are perfect soil for growing resilient faith that does not put us to shame. It is an enduring faith we can encourage in our children that is also supported by the, what we see happening in nature. Therefore, she goes on, as parents and grandparents and as adults, it's important in the heat of disaster or, the threat, or of threat that we take a step back to gather the facts. And instead of reacting in fear, we can show our kids what it looks like to remain calm and to take a hard look at what is actually happening, happening and then make a wise plan for the future based on faith rather than fear and reactivity. How many would love to see a lot less fear and reactivity in the world today? <laughs> right? 
And yet so much of what we get sucked into as human beings is this idea that somehow we need to be able to manage and control life and so we react and, we, and in fear we try and control and it just gets us wrapped around the axle and we get into conflict with one another and then we don't know how to get ourselves out of it and so we try harder and harder but we just make it worse and worse and we become more and more dissatisfied and unhappy and even more fearful and it just becomes a vicious cycle that we don't know how to, how to get out of. Have you ever been to a butterfly house? Aren't they amazing? You just kind of slowly walk through and and these butterflies just kind of flitter all over the place and they're big ones and small ones and they're all different colors and, and it's just one of the most peaceful places you can be. It's just so beautiful. What a great place to take your kids and just wander around and, and enjoy the wonder of God's creation through butterflies. Well, most of us probably know as adults, right, that one of the things that we learn from butterflies is that as a caterpillar transformed into the butterfly, it's supposed to go through struggle. Even though it might seem hard for that caterpillar to turn into a butterfly and to to come out of that chrysalis in the cocoon to to find new freedom and and the ability to fly, and we might want to rush that process and help it along, we also know that the struggle is necessary in order for it to successfully perform the transformation that has to happen in order for it to be able to fly. It's actually the butterfly's struggle to push itself through the small, narrow opening of the cocoon to get out into the the air that, that pushes the fluid out of its body and into its wings so that they become large enough and strong enough for it to be able to fly. The reality is if you short-circuit that process and you help it out so it doesn't have to go through the struggle, the the wings never fully develop and that poor little butterfly will spend the rest of its life crawling around on the ground, never being able to take light. You see, if we try and short-circuit God's development process in our life because we want to avoid struggle and we want to avoid difficulty and we want to protect our kids from having disappointments and having to go through hard times and, and, and we really want to just think that life is supposed to be easy and anytime we have disappointments that somehow that's not how it's supposed to be, We can unwittingly be stunting the very growth and the development of the kind of character that God wants us to experience by putting our trust in Him and knowing that if we trust Him to get us through the hard times, He will be the one that will bring the growth and the development and prove how we can find goodness and happiness on the other side of even those difficult times. Right? God, in His wisdom, has designed us as human beings to be like caterpillars to butterflies. And in some ways, that, that, that's a metaphor for the very gospel message that Jesus has come to reveal, that Jesus came to be a caterpillar with us. <laughs> and he willingly went into the, the, the cocoon of the tomb by entering into the death that we all deserve. And by going through the very struggle that we all experience, because to be born in this world means that you're going to die. And Jesus willingly entered into that. The day that Jesus was born on that wonderful Christmas morning meant that he was going to die. 
And so we know that the gospel message is that Jesus willingly gave up his throne in heaven to come to be a caterpillar on earth, to go into the cocoon of the tomb. But he knew that in God's wisdom and God's strength, that God's purpose from before the creation of the world is that through that struggle that he would be born a beautiful butterfly and he would show us the way that we too can follow him on the path to the newness of life that God had intended for each one of us from before the creation of the world. But we had lost our way and we'd become blinded by the brokenness of sin. But through the newness of life in Christ, we don't have to fear the struggle, but we can trust in God to lead us through so that we too can experience that joy and that transformation that comes only through the word of God that he's given us in his son, manifesting itself in the newness of life that comes in Jesus. That's why the Bible encourages us to have a different perspective on life as Christians and on the trials and temptations that we know will continue to come even after we say yes to Jesus, right? James 1 verses 2 through 4 says, consider it pure joy. What? (laughs) Consider it joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Life isn't always easy. And it doesn't always go the way we would want it to go. In fact, sometimes things will happen that are completely beyond our ability to manage or control. But God tells us through his word that that's okay. Because he's got your back and he's with you. And that no matter what this world throws at you, even death itself doesn't have the final word. Because Jesus is alive, we know that God's plan of salvation is the final act in history that we can rely on and that we can trust in. And so we don't have to react in fear, but we can live in faith. And we can teach our kids that they don't need to be afraid that they can handle any storm, and that together we can encourage one another to grow in character and in faith as we walk and invite others to understand that they too are invited to become a butterfly in Jesus' name. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have invited us to not be afraid but to put our trust in you. And as we look to the realities of life in this world that you have created, you have given us signs of how we can more readily understand the meaning that you've given us in the word that you've created and given us. God, as we desire to grow as your disciples, would you give us the the willingness to step out into your creation and to allow the, the world that you've made to bring the word that you've given us alive in new and fresh ways. And God, as you aliven our spirits and bring newness to life to us, would you give us the ability to translate that, that passion and that excitement and that understanding to our kids, to our grandkids, to the kids in our church that are all our kids. Help us to lean into one another as kids of all ages, God. Encouraging one another not to live in fear, but to live in faith and to trust in the maker of all things. 
that even though you have the power over the lightning and the storms and the earthquakes and the tornadoes, you care intimately about each one person that you have made. And you know who we are beyond more than we ever could imagine. And so let us put our trust in you again today. God, we thank you for the gift of your spirit. We ask that you would move among us. Help us to understand we don't have to be experts. We don't have to have all the knowledge. All we have to do, God, is have a willing and a contrite spirit and trust in your leading. Because ultimately, God, we are not called to disciple each other. We are called to be disciples of Jesus. And so we ask that you would lead us to his feet, to his cross, and to his way. Because it's in his name we pray. Amen.